ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋಘನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಪೂರ್ಣಮದ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಿದ ಪೂರ್ಣಾತ್ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದ್ಯತೆ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾದಾಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯತೆ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಶ್ರುತಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಪುರಾಣಲಯಂಕರುಣಾಲಯ ನಮಿ ಭಗವತ್ಪಾದ ಶಂಕರ ಲೋಕಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವಂಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಹಾಶ್ಯಕೃತೌ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇದಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಮೂರ್ತ ಪ್ರೋಕ್ತವಾನ್ಮನವೇ ಮನುರಿಕ್ಷ್ವಾಕವೇ ಬ್ರವೀದ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಸೇಸ್ ಇಮಂ ಅವ್ಯಯಂ ಯೋಗಂ ಅಹಂ ವಿವಸ್ವದೆ ಪ್ರೋಕ್ತವಾನ್ ಐ ಟಾಟ್ ದಿಸ್ ಇಂಪ್ಯಾರಿಶಬಲ್ ಯೋಗ ಟು ವಿವಸ್ವಾನ್ ಸರ್ ವಿವಸ್ವಾನ್ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಸನ್ ಆದಿತ್ಯ ವಿವಸ್ವಾನ್ ಟಾಟ್ ವಿವಸ್ವಾನ್ ಮನವೇ ಪ್ರಾಹ ವಿವಸ್ವಾನ್ ಇನ್ ಸನ್ ಪಾಸ್ಡ್ ಆನ್ ದ ಸೇಮ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ಟು ಹಿಸ್ ಸನ್ ಮನು ಮನು ಇಕ್ಷ್ವಾಗ ಬ್ರವೀದ್ and in turn manu passed this knowledge on to his son ikshvago <clears throat> as we said that bhagavad gita is universal knowledge but it is presented in the indian context that's why you have these names and things like that but the idea is these are all the names of very prominent kshatriya kings as we said ikshvago was the easy first in the ikshvaku dynasty and there were so lord krishna means to say that in the beginning of the creation i taught or passed on this very same knowledge to son or hiranyagarbha or brahmari and who passed it on to his son and so on <coughs> why does lord do that this knowledge is for the protection of the world actually how is the world protected the world is protected when the society is protected what protects the society 
It is dharma, the righteousness that protects a society. How does righteousness or dharma, how does it protect a society? Because when people in general follow dharma, they perform their duties, they do what is right thing to do. Then, generally when you, as we say, when you perform your duties, my duty becomes your right and your duty becomes my right. If, for example, I perform my duties to my parents, then my performance of duty, the needs of my parents are first and my needs have to be set aside if they are not in, in, in agreement with those needs. In duty, you always give greater importance to need of the one to whom you are performing duty. In that process, it is possible that you will set aside your own needs. This is what duty calls for. Therefore, duty always, often rather, calls for letting go of one's own likes and dislikes, one's own convenience and comfort, in order to assure the comfort or convenience of someone else. So when you say that, the student has a duty towards the teacher, then student does whatever he can do for the comfort of the teacher. And for giving comfort to the teacher, he may himself accept the discomfort. The teacher also has his own duty towards students, of course. So whoever performs the duty is a giver. And for whom the duty is performed is a receiver. So when a student performs duty towards the teacher, then student is a giver. And teacher is a receiver. If teacher also performs his duty towards student, then teacher is a giver, student is a receiver. Thus, what is meant by dharma is that all the members of the society, all members of family, and all members of such society are related to each other by the bond of by duty. So everybody performs a duty. As I said, my duty becomes your right and your duty becomes my right. And therefore, if everybody follows the spirit of duty, then everybody's rights are automatically taken care of. In a duty-based society, when I perform my duty towards you, and you then your rights are taken care of, and when you perform your duty towards me, then my rights are taken care of. So duty-based society. Other is a right-based relationship, where everyone claims their rights, in which case nobody's rights will be protected. Because I also claim right, you also claim your rights, and claiming rights only brings conflict. Because in claiming rights, there is always demand involved. I place demands upon others to fulfill my rights, the place demands upon me to fulfill their rights, and thus nobody likes to fulfill other people's demands, and thus 
this rights-based relationship always brings about conflict. A duty-based relationship brings about harmony. Never the Vedic society was a society based on structure around duty, sense of duty. <clears throat> if everybody follows a duty, then I said, everybody's rights are taken care of and nobody feels exploited or hurt. Is in our body also, different limbs perform the duty. Legs performs their duty, hands performs their duty, all organs and limbs perform their duty. In which case, rights of all the limbs also are taken care of. Because when my leg gets hurt, whole body comes to its rescue. Then it becomes the duty of the rest of the limbs to help that one. If something happens to hand, then well, the rest of the body also comes. This is how there is a harmony, there is a cooperation and harmony between different limbs and organs of the body. So imagine society also consisting of different kinds of people. And the people were, as you know, classified in this chapter itself, Lord Krishna will say, when we'll discuss that, as Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra. It's not that the Vedas in fact created this caste, but then this caste exists in all societies. What is meant by caste is that people with different dispositions are always there in the society. There are some who are sattvic or pure in nature and therefore contemplative in nature, and those who love for learning and teaching, and those who love for Ishvara and the worship, one kind of people, Others are called Kshatriyas where Rajoguna is predominant followed by Sattva, where there is love for activity, the same time love for service. Third are Vaishyas, where the Rajas is predominant followed by Tamas. There, the person is very active, but there is also some self-centeredness. And finally are the Shudras, where the Tamas is predominant. And so, depending upon the disposition, if each one gets to do what is compatible to their disposition and aptitudes and, and capacities, then there is a harmony between the person and the task the person has to perform. If everybody does what they are expected to do, then there is harmony. So that is why a society gets protected when dharma gets protected. But dharma or the duty requires somebody to uh, teach. And so, this dharma is in fact taught by first of all setting an example. Leaders should set example of following dharma in their own life and then also help other people follow dharma. This is job of Kshatriya. So, Kshatriya the warrior they are the leaders of the society. And therefore, they are assigned the task of protecting dharma in the society. And the way they do that is, they themselves live a life of dharma, they themselves live a life of righteousness and worship, and make other people also do that because they are in the position of power. The power is utilized for the well-being of the society. If there are elements that have a tendency to violate the dharma, then they are brought into line. 
So as we said, this administration involves nigraha and anugraha. Sometimes you restrain somebody when they are straying from the path of righteousness. And you encourage others who are following the path of righteousness. This is how the kshatriyas administer society. They are the king class. Therefore, here is said that this knowledge was imparted to kshatriyas. Knowledge was imparted to kings. But then kshatriyas are, you know, that, then if they, kshatriyas have the power. If power is combined with righteousness, then that power becomes a blessing to the society. If the power does not, is not combined with righteousness, then their very power also can become a source of harassment to the society. And we have examples of both. We have examples of very noble and righteous kings who, who protected the societies and the societies prospered under their rules. We also have examples of kings who were not righteous. Under their hands people suffered. Both these examples are there. So here it is said that this, this Vivaswan and Manu and Ikshvaku, Ikshvaku, all the Kshatriyas, Kshatriya kings. So Lord Krishna says that this knowledge was first passed on to Kshatriya kings, the warriors, the leaders, so that first they are protected. Meaning that when they know what the reality is, what the truth is, when they know that, then their life becomes an exemplary life. And what the Kshatriyas do is, Kshatriyas protect the rest of the society. <coughs> Particularly protect Brahmanas. Brahmanas are the people who, as we said, have a natural love for learning and teaching. So Brahmanas can, they, they, they perform the task of learning the scriptures and teaching others. Brahmanas also perform the rituals and officiate the rituals. Therefore, dharma, in terms of knowledge and in terms of religious practices, is upheld by brahmanas. And dharma, in terms of righteousness and protecting society, is upheld by kshatriyas. So when the power of kshatriyas is accompanied with the wisdom and culture, then that power becomes a blessing to the rest of society. The Kshatriyas protect the Brahmanas. And between the two of them, they, they, they perform and propagate Dharma. And that's how Dharma, the righteousness, or the principle of duty becomes established in a given society. And that's how the society is protected. Because basically it is a job of Lord or Ishwara to protect the creation. He is not only a creator, he is also the protector. And so it is not enough that Ishwara created the world and just let it on its own. No. He created the world at the same time also made arrangements so that there will be harmony and prosperity in the world. And that harmony and prosperity can be there when there is dharma, when there is duty, when people then perform their duty, then everybody is in harmony with everybody else.
And so Lord Krishna says that I imparted this knowledge to Vivaswan, to Manu, Vikshwaku, for the protection of Kshatriyas and Brahmanas and through them for the protection of the rest of society, for the protection of the world. <coughs> we also said, Abhyam, this is imperishable yoga. We discussed last night why this yoga, the knowledge is imperishable because its source is in Vedas which are imperishable and it gives rise to the result in the form of moksha which is also imperishable. Because moksha is my own nature. The self is imperishable and moksha is the very nature of the self. Therefore, moksha also is imperishable. Therefore, this knowledge is said to be imperishable because of its source as well as because of its result. <coughs> then, continuing, Another important thing is that this knowledge was passed on. When Manu got the knowledge, then he passed it on to his son, thank God. When Ikshvaku got the knowledge, he also passed on. Suppose they did not pass on this knowledge. Because spiritual capitalists, you know, the fellows keep on, you know, aggrandizing and then don't pass it on. Then this tradition of succession will discontinue. Fortunately, that did not happen. So in the second verse, Lord Krishna says, Evam parampara praptam Imam rajarshayoviduhu Sakale neha mahata Yogo nashtaf parantapa. Evam, in this manner, parampara praptam. So this knowledge which was handed down in succession. Parampara, succession. Succession of what? Succession of teacher and the students. Here we also see succession of father and son. So very often in the Vedic tradition, we find the examples of father being the teacher and son being the disciple. There are many examples where father is the teacher and son is the disciple. Bhrugurvai varunhi varunam pitaram upasasara Bhrugu was the son of Varuna. He approaches father Varuna seeking knowledge. So there, Varuna the teacher also is father and Bhruga the disciple is a son. So also, with Uddhalaka and Shvetaketu, father and son. Here also, this knowledge was passed on from my father to the son. So this is how it used to be. <coughs> there were no separate, there were partshala, there were no separate Sunday school like things, you know. Because every home was a school. And the father or the parents passed on the knowledge and the traditions to the children. And that is how this tradition was protected and was perpetuated. So therefore there was no need for children to go to separate school. Although those days the very teaching was the teaching of Vedas. Meaning that when a child went to Gurukulam, when to live with the teacher, to learn from the teacher, 
the, the teacher imparted them knowledge of Vedas. Because that was the, that was the syllabus. Veda was the syllabus. <coughs> so automatically they got the knowledge of the whole tradition and dharma. Ivam param praptam ivam rajarsayo viduhu. Here, Juna, in the olden days, this knowledge was in the hands of Rajarshis. The one who is Raja as well as Rushi is called Rajarshi. Rushi means a sage. Raja means a king. So those who were royal sages or sagely kings. So those kings were sagely kings. So who is the king? The king is the one who has the power. And who is a sage? Sage is the one who has purity. So sage enjoys a purity of mind and therefore also enjoys the capacity to grasp the subtle meaning of the scriptures. It is one thing to recite the scriptures, second thing to know the, the meaning grammatically, is the third thing to know the, the subtle meaning of the passages. So yesterday, all the priests recited the, the passages. That's recital. Second stage is that you know the literal meaning of what you're reciting. That's a great thing. And third is, you know what's the purport. Not just a literal meaning, but what is the truth that is conveyed through those passages. And therefore, the person who really is benefited is the one who knows the import, the purport, the subtle meaning of the Vedic passages. So he is called a Rushi. Rushi is one who, who possesses an intellect which has a purity, which has a contemplativeness, which has a focus, because of which that person is able to grasp the subtle meaning of the Vedic passages. Because that's the kind of intellect you need in order for you to gain the knowledge of the self. You can imagine, it requires the purity of mind as well as the single focus of the mind, then alone it is possible to gain this knowledge. Therefore, the, these kings are qualified as Rajarshis. Not just the kings, but they were also Rushis or sages. So you can call them the kingly sages, or sagely kings, better is that they were sage, sagely kings. Therefore, they were the fit persons. A king may not, a kshatriya may not necessarily be a fit person to receive the knowledge if he doesn't have the adequate purity of mind. And a brahmana is fit to receive knowledge, he doesn't have the power. You require also the strength which is when you can command the respect of other people and that is when you can create impact upon others and that is when the knowledge spreads. To, to learn, you require the purity of mind. But to spread the knowledge, you require a certain, you know, certain inner strength and missionary spirit and a, and a capacity to create, you know, a, an impact upon other people. So that's what a king does. King possesses that capacity by which he can create an impact upon others, meaning that his words will be taken very seriously by others. At the same time, he is a sage, and therefore he knows the truth. Imam Rajarshayo Viduhu. 
Arjuna, in the olden times, this knowledge was in the hands of Rajasis, Rajasis in the hands of sagely kings. <coughs> Meaning, that also shows in a way how valuable or how precious this knowledge is. When something is pursued by important people, then it becomes very important, you know. So Maharshi Mahesh Yogi will gain great prominence. When Beatles become that disciples, you know. So then because Beatles are of course very highly respected or you know, or very popular. When they become his disciples, naturally he gains a certain stature. So many of the Indian Swamis thus gain the stature because they had very prominent disciples. Film actors, film stars, some billionaires some political figures, whatever. So you see here, as far as Brahma Vidya is concerned, as far as self-knowledge is concerned, who are the people who have devoted their life in pursuit of this knowledge? None other than these great kings. In the history, these kings of Ikshvaku and others are very well known for their prowess, for their, for their righteousness, for their uh, generosity. So these people, and you can imagine how pursuing this knowledge is really a lifetime commitment. It is not that it just takes place in six months or two years or whatever it is, it does, but then you have to really assimilate it, which is a lifetime process. Which means that these great kings must have devoted their entire life to pursue this knowledge. That is a way of showing, highlighting the importance or value of the knowledge. So very often we find the scriptures themselves praise the knowledge. Like Mundoka Upanishad says, how the Brahma Vidya first was imparted by Brahma, the creator, to his son Atharvana. And he passed it on to his son, to his disciple, and to Haradvaja, Angi, and so forth. So great sages were involved. So when these great people have thought this knowledge is so important. Then the ordinary people understand that this is a very precious knowledge. This is a very valuable knowledge. So that purpose also is served by saying that this knowledge gain also an acceptance by these great kings. <coughs> then what happened? Sakale nehemhata yogo Sahakalena, owing to a long lapse of time, Mahata Kalena, owing to a lapse of long, you know, so long lapse of time. Yoga Nashtaha Parantapa. He Parantapa, he Arjuna, this yoga was lost. Nashtaha, it disappeared. Meaning that, this line of succession was snapped. What it means is that the knowledge doesn't get destroyed, as we say. Knowledge always is there. Whether you know it or not, knowledge always is there. For knowledge is neither created nor does it get destroyed because it is in its reality. Whether they knew the law of gravity or not, it was always there. And suppose mankind forgets it, it still will be there. So the fact that everything is Brahman is a fact. Whether we know it or not, 
And suppose everybody forgets, is ignorant, still that knowledge always will be there. But what is important is not the knowledge really, but those who are the, who, who are the wise people who have that knowledge. And another thing that is important is that these wise people also should pass on this knowledge. Therefore, there must be a succession of the Guru Shishya, or the teacher, disciple, succession must be there. Then alone the knowledge will be passed on. As is happening, for example, the present generation in India, that this succession is broken. Because the parents right now, they themselves are not, you know, they, they don't have any knowledge, or much knowledge of the tradition. And that being the case, they cannot pass it on to their own children. And that's how this succession becomes snapped or broken. So Lord Krishna says, this happened with Brahma Vidya. This happened with the knowledge of Brahman or knowledge of self. That because of the long lapse of time, slowly and slowly, the tradition or the succession got snapped. Why would it get snapped? Because you did not have the qualified people. The knowledge can be gained only by a person who has gained the eligibility or qualification. You know Vedanta teaches that one should have what we call the fourfold qualification to really qualify for gaining this knowledge. You should have Viveka, Vairagya. That despite Viveka, the life requires, you know, requires Viveka discernment. Vairagya, a dispassion. What viveka or discrimination or discernment enables me to do is to recognize what is important in my life, what the purpose of my life is, and what the means of achieving that purpose is, that understanding is called viveka. What is the purpose of my life and how to achieve that purpose, that understanding is called viveka. Thus, as we say, when we are traveling on the road, then what the destination is and which is the path leading to destination, that understanding is called Viveka. But then in order to reach the destination, we have to also, even when we know that this is the right path, to pursue what is right requires us to keep under control our temptations. Because even as you are traveling, you might see a very beautiful road. This is scenic route, scenic overlook. Some di- some kind of a digression can be there. Something looks very pretty. Oh, there is a nice restaurant here. Oh, there looks like good park. There is nice lake. Whatever. So, so many distractions may be there on the way. And if you fall for those distractions, then it is possible that you will never reach your destination. It's not enough that we have the knowledge of the goal and the path, but also there must be a commitment to stay on the path and overcome any temptations and distractions which may come on the way. Because the mind has such a habit. It falls for distractions, falls for temptation. Okay. I know how to study, you know, exam is coming after 15 days. No, but it's a very good movie this evening, you know. Oh, my friend is getting married. Oh, this restaurant is good, you know, this, this is, uh, you know, the food is good. And like these are many things are there. 
And if you allow yourself to go through all that stuff, it is possible that uh, you did not have enough time to study and then, uh, you know, pass the test. And this happens in life. The, the story of that king is well known. This king once declared that on a given day, I will be available to all the people of the town who can come to me and present their request and ask for whatever they want. The appointed day was appointed, appointed they came. There was a very big garden in the center of the city. And in the garden there was a hill. On that there was a very beautiful house. So king said that, I'll spend the whole day in that house, from morning till evening. You come along and ask for whatever you want. Naturally, all the uh, citizens, you know, they all lined up right in the morning. The gates of the garden are open, and with all great enthusiasm people enter. But then, what do they find? Oh, the first is, it's a nice coffee shop, and pizza shop, and this shop, and that shop. So, okay, let's first, you know, let's have some coffee, let's have some nice food. Then you go to video parlors are there, and some other entertainments are there, movie theaters are there, IMAX is there, this is there, all kinds of things there on the way. Let us have this amusement parks are there, rides are there. And so people say, let us enjoy this before we reach there, let us enjoy that. And that's how the whole day was spent, just in enjoyment. And not a single person made it to the king. And so this is also important. That not only should we know, first of all we should know where the destination is and what the road leading to destination is. If you have wrong information about destination, then you may travel a long distance and not reach there. It is not enough that we are traveling or traveling fast, but then we should be traveling the right direction in the life. And secondly, even after having understood what the destination road is, we have to always keep under check our temptations, our likes and dislikes. Thus, this ro- other roads, I am dispassionate. I am not interested in other roads because I know that they do not lead to my destination. And a commitment to the path that is leading to my destination, that's called Vairagya. So a commitment to what I have to achieve, and a dispassion or a detachment from everything else. So viveka, vairagya. So these are the disqualifications. This kind of frame of mind is required to gain the knowledge. What happens is that when a society follows the life of dharma, <coughs> then there is prosperity in the society. Then there are comforts. Then there are pleasures. Then there are temptations. And it is then people slowly and slowly become prey to these temptations and the urge for pleasure and their capacity to, to maintain self-control and discipline, that capacity slowly becomes weakened. And therefore, this viveka and vairagya and the shamadi shatka sampati, tranquility of the mind, the self-control, all this capacity is slowly and slowly wane. In this you find, in course of time, you do not get the qualified people to be able to receive this knowledge. So this is what the time does. The time always has this nature. 
that the time always impacts upon dharma, the righteousness. And if something is not done, then indiscipline, unrighteousness will slowly and slowly uh, creep into the society. And this is what happens. So Lord Krishna says, Sakale neha mahata, mahata kalena, on account of the long lapse of time. And what kind of time? Time which brings about a deterioration in the people's commitment to values, in the people's discipline, in the people's self-control. Yoga nashtaf parantapa, he parantapa, he arjuna, this yoga, meaning this succession of the teacher and the students, it got broken, it got snapped. <clears throat> meaning the scriptures are there, knowledge is there, but it's not available because there's nobody to communicate to you, even if there is somebody to communicate, there is nobody, nobody fit enough to in fact to receive that knowledge also. <clears throat> Alright, so that is so. So what? What does it matter? Suppose this knowledge is not available. Okay. But then, if this knowledge is not there, the person can never really gain success in his life. The Purushartha, Purusharta means the end that is sought by a human being can only be fulfilled or met with this knowledge and in no other way. What is this knowledge? Knowledge is very simple. That you are limitless, that's the knowledge. That you are free. You are what you are seeking to be. This is what Vedanta teaches us. So simple and still it's so difficult. What is, you know, what's the problem in my accepting and my owning up this knowledge that I'm limitless? Who doesn't like that? If you are told that you are limitless, you are a complete being, you are whole, you are beautiful, you are great, I mean, everybody would love that. And still, what a great difficulty it is on my part to understand this and to assimilate it. Because my complex that I'm a small, limited being is so strong, that wiring is so hard, that in spite of being told again and again, somehow it does not sink in. And if people therefore continue to take themselves to be limited and needy, then naturally there is going to be a selfishness, and you know, because people feel small, insecure, selfish, and that is what will prevail in a society, then there is going to be conflict. You will find a lot of conflicts in society when this knowledge is not there. So recognizing that people are in fact deprived of the goal of their life in absence of this knowledge. Therefore, Lord Krishna says, I found it necessary to again revive this tradition. This tradition of succession, which was snapped on account of the passage of time, Lord Krishna says, my purpose of taking incarnation is to revive the tradition, to again establish this knowledge and establish the dharma. That's what he said in the third verse, so Lord Krishna says. Yoga prokta puratanaha 
भक्तो सिमे सखा चेति रहस्यम हेतदुत्तमम सैव अयम योगः मया स्वयं एव पुरातनः योगः मया ते अद्य प्रोक्तः हे अर्जुन दट वेरी सेम एंशियंट योगा दट वेरी सेम एंशियंट नॉलेज विच आई फर्स्ट इम्पॉर्टेंट टू विवस्वान एंड वी वॉज कमिंग डाउन इन द लीनेज ऑफ द सेजेस ऑफ विच दैट सक्सेशन गॉड स्नैप बिकॉज ऑफ द एबसेंस ऑफ क्वालिफाइड टीचर्स एंड क्वालिफाइड स्टूडेंट्स दैट वेरी सेम नॉलेज बिकॉज अर्जुन में थिंक the ancient yoga or the ancient knowledge because that succession is snap is gone and maybe lord krishna is now imparting me something else that is also possible the ancient knowledge is gone because there are no teachers and students and maybe lord krishna is imparting to arjuna today something new therefore lord krishna assures him that's not so so eva that very same yoga that very same knowledge arjuna i have imparted you today why because arjuna is adhikari because he is an eligible student bhakto sime sakha chaiti rahasyam hetadattamam so lord krishna has to choose a disciple who not only has the capacity to receive the knowledge but also has the capacity to pass on this knowledge that is why kshatriya is chosen arjuna is a very strong person at the moment he may be overcome with grief that is a different matter but basically very strong in character because he has lived a life of dharma lived a life of righteousness and he enjoys also a straightforwardness and a purity of the heart and he also enjoy the power and capacity therefore when knowledge is passed to someone like that then through him that knowledge also will spread so that is why perhaps lord krishna has been waiting for an opportunity to arise when he can impart that knowledge i'm sure lord krishna knew that arjuna always needed this knowledge but so far arjuna never asked for it and they say that you should not give out this thing unless they ask for it only when person asks for it then it is clear that the person is a value for this and you should give only anything you should only give to the person who is a value for that otherwise there is no point what is it you cannot throw your gems to the swine so what you know so you, you should not uh, in life also not only anything When you give to somebody, you should give to the person who has value for it. Otherwise, it's meaningless. Sometimes in your enthusiasm, you give some very precious. What do you think is precious to somebody? What is this? It doesn't care. You know value. And so also, the knowledge that you pass on should be passed on to someone who has value. And how do you know he has a value when he asks for it? Arjuna asks for that. Meaning that today he discovered a value for this knowledge. He always needed it, but he did not know that he needed it. Today he recognized he needed that. He recognized that it is very valuable. 
and then he is all ready to grasp or receive it. Therefore, Adya today, today, here Juna, in this battlefield, the very same yoga or very same knowledge, which is the means of moksha, which is the means of achieving the purushartha, the human, the goal sought by every human being. Because we find that in absence of this knowledge, in absence of viveka and vairagya or discernment and dispassion, in absence of that, we find people pursuing all kinds of things in the world. We find how people are going astray and they were deprived of the, the benefit of gaining a human life. Human life is the most precious embodiment life that one can have and it is meant for gaining a very precious end. And we find that people are squandering or whiling away this time in pursuing useless things and wasting the time and, and suffering unnecessarily in the process. Therefore it is so important that this, not, this, this lineage or this succession must be re-established so that the society has the benefit of the knowledge. So that's one way of protecting society. As you said, the Lord who has created the universe also has his duty to protect it. And therefore, as a teacher he protects it also. So that is why in all the kindness the Lord reveals the scriptures. And not only reveals the scriptures, but then he passes on the scriptural knowledge to the eligible students. So there is a verse which says, Yo Brahmanam Vidadhadi Purvam Yo Vedam Sip Prahinoti Dasmai The one who first of all creates Brahmaji the firstborn and passes on the knowledge of Vedas to the Brahma. And then Brahma will pass on to others. Thus, the Lord, being the well-wisher of all the beings, recognizes that the people's well-being will be assured only when they have the right understanding of their life, only when they have the right direction in their life. Particularly human beings need that. Because they say, the human beings are endowed with the freedom of choice. Therefore, human being has a freedom to decide what he wants to do or not. And that freedom, only when it is properly, so wisely utilized, then the freedom will become is a source of blessing. If that freedom is unwisely utilized or abused, then that freedom will bring about his own damage. Meaning that human being can help himself or hurt himself also. Therefore, he needs directions. He needs guidelines. And for that purpose, the scriptures are there. The Vedas are there, which give you the guidelines in forms of do's and don'ts. Do this and do not do that. If you do this, well, that is in your well-being. If, and don't do that because if you do it, it will hurt you. So thus, by revealing scriptures also and passing on this knowledge, Lord fulfills his role as a well-wisher of all the human beings, of all the living beings. And that's, that's what uh, Yoga Shastra also says. Sayesha purveshabhi guruhu kalena anavacheda. This Lord is purveshabhi guruhu. He is a guru, the teacher of the ancient ones also. All the ancient gurus also had a beginning and end. 
But here is one guru who has no beginning and no end. Therefore, Purveshabhi guru who is a guru or the teacher of ancient ones also, Kalena Anavachedat, because he is not limited in time. Everybody else is limited in time. So as, as guru, the Adi guru also, Lord is a protector of the world. You understand how in what ways the protection, you know, this business of coming down and, and, and taking weapons is the last resort. But primarily, the arrangement is already made so that the human beings have the right direction in their life. And therefore, Arjuna, today I have imparted knowledge to you. Because you are Parantapa. Arjuna is Parantapa. One of his names is Parantapa. Parantapayati, one who is scorcher of enemies. One who is scorcher of enemies is called Parantapa. So Arjuna was known as Parantapa because in his very presence enemies used to shudder. So here, Parantapa, the scorcher of enemies, also means that not only is scorcher of his external enemies, he is also scorcher of his inner enemies. And who are the inner enemies? This Kama, Krodha, Loha, Lust, Anger, Greed, all these are inner enemies. So Arjuna is Parantapa, one who is the scorcher of inner enemies, and therefore he is a very qualified person. Further, Lord Krishna says in the second line of this verse, Bhakto Sime Sakhachedi. Because you are Bhakta, you are my devotee. Sakhacha, and by the way, you are also my friend. But important is not friend, devotee. Sakhacha, the Chakara shows that the Sakha, or the friend aspect, is, is not as important as the Bhakta or the, the devotee aspect. Bhakta is because you are my devotee. And you are surrendered to me. And of course you are a friend, therefore you are very dear to me also. So this, you see, that is why when the father is the teacher and son is the disciple, there's added advantage. The father always loves the son. He's the dearest to the father. Son is always dearest to the father. And therefore there's added advantage. Arjuna also an added advantage. Not only he was the disciple of Lord Krishna, not only he was a devotee, he also was a friend and therefore enjoyed a special affection. Because you are like that, therefore this knowledge has been today imparted to you. But what is wrong, oh Lord? You can give it to anybody, why not? He says, no, rahasyam hetaduttamam. Understand that this is indeed a profound secret. And therefore it cannot be passed on to anybody and everybody. It only should be given to one who is eligible or is qualified. As we said, one who has a value for that. One who recognizes how valuable it is. And one who has the capacity to receive that and assimilate that. Also capacity to communicate to others. You being the right person, Arjuna. Therefore, today, this has been passed on to you. <coughs> so, Arjuna, therefore, is a very uh, lucky person, you know. He's very fortunate that Lord Krishna, in fact, chose him. It looks, we do not know whether it is Arjuna who asked for the knowledge or Lord Krishna really created the situation. Who knows? But the interesting thing is, Arjuna requested Lord Krishna to bring his chariot between the two armies. Arjuna said, I want to survey both the armies. I want to see who are the warriors who are arrayed for fighting. 
And who are the fellows who are helping Duryodhana? I want to see them. So Lord Krishna, as desired by Arjuna, brought the chariot right in the midst of the two armies. And then says to Arjuna, So, Vach Partha Pashetan Samavetan Kurunati. He Partha, may you see all the Kauravas who are all assembled here. Lord Krishna says, Arjuna, look at all the descendants of Kuru who are all assembled here. There is little mischief in that, the use of that word. If Lord Krishna had said at that time, look at all your enemies who are assembled here, then perhaps. Arjuna would have seen enemies there. But Lord Krishna said, look at the Kurus who are assembled here. And then Arjuna saw all the Kurus. Oh, Tatra, Pashasitan, Papitrun, then he saw his relatives, his uncles, his cousins, his friends, you know, their sons, their fathers. So that Arjuna saw all people in this manner. Maybe Lord Krishna's words had some suggestion in there. So maybe Lord Krishna created this. And Arjuna therefore experienced a tremendous grief. And maybe that is how he came, you know, he surrendered to Lord Krishna asking for the knowledge. I do not know whether that was intended or not. But anyway, Lord Krishna found a very, uh, a very eligible student, a very fit student in Arjuna. And therefore, today, understand that very same knowledge. Don't think that I am telling you something new. Seva Yoga. So three things we are told about this yoga. One is that it is very ancient coming from the Vedas and through a succession of teacher and students. Number two, it's a knowledge which gives you the fulfillment of your life because it is conducive of gaining moksha. Thirdly, great people have in fact uh, devoted themselves in pursuit of this knowledge. And fourthly, I, Lord Krishna will say who he is, so far he is not told that I, Lord, is telling this knowledge to you. In that way, this knowledge is praised, number one. Number two, it is told here that it is ancient parampara, therefore it is not something new. And therefore as we discussed yesterday, that it is trustworthy. It is very valuable, absolutely necessary, as well as trustworthy then we can have the shraddha, then we can have the devotion or commitment to pursue this knowledge. And this is how in these three verses, Lord Krishna from his point of view would have concluded the teaching. But it happens that Arjuna asks a question and that sets up a whole new line of discussions. But then, so we'll see Arjuna's question in the next verse. Om Puramadav Puramidam Puramat Puramudachyate Puranasya Puramadaya Purameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Upunapunaha Ishvaro Gururatmedi 
मूर्तिभेद विभागिने व्योमद्याप्तहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओ शाशाशा हरि ओ श्री गुरुभ्यो